Hey, Pepin. Yo, yo, meter. You know, I've been, um, I've been thinking. I know that there's a really popular uh, podcast out there called Serial. Do you listen to that? I've listened to the first season, second season, not so much. Okay, I heard the second season wasn't as good as the first season, but honestly, I haven't listened to any of it. Is it about a, a serial killer? No, no. It's, it's about one guy who like supposedly killed someone, but maybe didn't, and his friend Jake may have, but you know, maybe he didn't, and maybe there's a third person involved but maybe he didn't so it's, it's like that oh well that's pretty cool you know that that actually reminds me i've uh i've done a little bit of research and uh i think a really interesting topic is is serial killers i know it doesn't quite relate here but i did say serial killers earlier also yeah we're doing a halloween month as well so it's kind of scary so it goes with that so let's kick it off with uh still killers i guess yeah absolutely i i think we need to talk about this Welcome back. So glad you could join us. I'm here with uh, with Pepin, of course. He's he's always here for some reason. How you doing, Pepin? Well, th- this is my room. Oh, that's a pretty good point. Uh, we have invited back a guest today. B, how you doing, Brian? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm not too bad. I'm definitely glad that we were all able to get together again. Um, and you know, this is actually a we need to talk first today. We have a fourth guest. I know. This is insane, and I don't know if we can handle it either, but we're all going to do this together. Today we have fourth guest, very special guest, my mom, Sandy. How are you doing, Mom? I'm okay. How are you? I'm actually really great. I'm glad that we're all here. This is going to be fascinating. Now, I know that one of the biggest reasons that we have my mom on today is because she has done a lot of research and actually loves this topic of serial killers. And I think having you here today is going to be a huge asset for us as a whole. Do you want to share any of the background of what exactly you do know about serial killers and how that came about? Well, I've always been interested in the psychological aspect of it. That's fantastic. Um, so so you really like the psychology that goes into it and the, the mindset and things like that? Or is it Is it a little bit different than that? No, I like the psychology and the mindset. I first got interested, I was like, I think it was Ted Bundy, I'm not really sure, but all I could think was, I need to know if I come across a serial killer. So this was more out of fear than anything. Well, kind of, yeah. But then it became a real interest in like the psychological aspect. Did it ever break into being an obsession? Oh, maybe. (laughs) Wow. So you took on the serial killer obsession persona yourself. Well, no. <laughs> uh, uh, Nate, let's uh, let's jump over here real quick. What uh what's your background as far as serial killers go? So, I have no background at all. Like I know there's a lot of people such as Sandy who watches a lot of those TV shows like about serial killers and read books. I'm pretty creeped out by them to be honest. I I try to avoid them. I mean, I researched some political serial killers, I guess you could say, but uh, regular guy serial killers, not so much. So you're talking more like a, like a, a Hitler type deal? Yeah, Hitler or Stalin or someone similar. Okay. And B, what, where are you at with this topic? Um, I kind of take interest in it like Sandy, but not to the point where I would dive into the psychological aspect. More like a, if 
the if the information happens to be there and coming at you, you'll take it in and be interested, but you're not going to go out seeking it. Right. Oh, no, that's fantastic. I think we're all kind of in a, a different place, and that's going to really add a lot of depth to the topic as a whole. Steve, how about you? What's, what's your relationship with serial killers? Well, I've uh, I've never killed anybody. Um, mm. Have you known a serial killer? Not that I know of. Uh, okay. I mean, I might have. I might have met one at – I mean, I've worked a lot of places. I worked at Walmart. There were probably some there. Um, I think that's just a given. Yeah, probably a few at CVS as well. Yeah, that place was – man, I don't want to talk about it. Let's cease and desist there before we get sued. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I kind of want to dive into a couple of different topics here. Um, we should probably take them one at a time because that's a normal thing to do with a conversation. Something I find interesting about serial killers and like criminals in general but also with serial killers especially is – is there a genetic link? So is it the environment they're growing up in, or is it the genes, or is it a combination of both? Is someone predestined to become a serial killer, or is it you know just how they're raised? What are your thoughts be on that? Um, I actually agree with you. I think, well, okay. I kind of <laughs> like the idea of they were kind of uh, brought up that way. It was something that was in their um, home life or something along that lines. You know, I feel like... Like you would following the Hitler thing, um, I know that he was in World War One and had mustard gas and wasn't the same after that. So that's more of a situational thing, but I think it has to do with upbringing. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, how in Germany, because of the uh, Treaty of Versailles, I believe, like things were just super, super bad because inflation was crazy and that babies is hanging these like uh, huge warehouses full of. You know, what are those things called? Those like those hanging from like those meat hook things. Meat hooks things, yeah. Yeah. And they're covered in lice. And then apparently Hitler liked to use like lice metaphors and like, you know, the Jews are like lice. What? And so people had a visceral reaction to that because of back in their childhood. <laughs> which is kind of scary. That's creepy. That sounds like using psychology and past experiences to kind of change people's perception and kind of drive them towards um, feeling a certain way. I, I'm going to just take the opposite side from you here, Brianne, and say that I don't think it has very much to do with their environment at all in comparison to uh, – because you can have – and I'm saying this without having any facts, but I know my mom's going to back me up because she got my back. And what what I'm saying here is that some – there are some serial killers who grow up in you know abusive households and, and they've had these traumatic experiences. And then there are some that have completely what you would call quote-unquote normal lives and they, they, were, they grew up in a very loving family and they just ended up serial killing people and that's fucked up. But I, I don't think that environment is the, the factor that makes that decision. I would agree. I think that it's a combination of – Nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer was not abused in any way. He grew up in a loving household, like you say. Jeffrey Dahmer is, just for people who aren't aware, like myself. Oh, sorry. He's a serial killer. <laughs> uh, like, is he like a big name? Yes. Yeah, he's a, he's a huge name. He's like one of the top three most commonly referenced. Really, really? How many yeah. people did he kill? He killed around 14 and it was – he killed men. Um, well, actually boys. He was pretty brutal. But it wasn't about the killing for him. It was about the – The chase. Chasing no. him and getting them? Or? No. It was about having them. 
and keeping them. Oh, yeah. And he didn't care if they were dead or alive. Necrophilia, right? Yes. Was he the one who was trying to make the perfect sex slave? Yes. And um, not not to get into too much detail, but didn't he like do things with their brain like to yes. try and alter their brain to make them just want to have sex and nothing else? More to make them like zombies mm-hmm. so that they didn't leave. He mm-hmm. was – he didn't want to be alone. That's, that's very strange because – you know, we when I think about serial killers, I think about people who just want to kill people. Now, this guy is obviously a serial killer, but his motivations aren't really in line with, I just want to murder people. It's more like, I want to have sex with uh, boys, young boys or something like that. Right. But he didn't want them to leave. Right. And, th- and that was the biggest sticking point. And I think that's uh, creepily enough something that we can all relate to is that we nobody wants to end up like all alone and like have everybody that they actually care about leave them or that means something to them leave them. That's... That's kind of like a deep human shared bond between everybody, right? Um, which kind of makes it even more creepy that it morphed and deformed into this really perverse way that he ended up going about making that a reality for him. Now, Dahmer was also the one who um, one of the boys escaped and went to the cops and the cops brought him back. Do you know that story? Yes. He escaped through a window and these two ladies found him. He was like... Dahmer had already done some pretty serious stuff to him, so he wasn't really with it. And I believe he was naked. So these ladies knew something was wrong. This kid was 14 years old. So they called the police and the police come and Jeffrey comes out and he's like, oh, this is my boyfriend. We had a fight and they let him take this kid back to his house Hmm. and then he killed him. Hmm. And how old was Jeffrey Dahmer? In his 20s, I would say. Okay. So in his 20s. So wouldn't that be kind of – isn't that illegal for a 14-year-old boy to be with a a 20-year-old man? Right. They didn't know he was only 14. So that sounds like either some pretty shoddy police work or an extremely smooth criminal. I believe that those police officers were fired. Don't quote me. Quote her. Don't don't quote me, but (laughs) I believe the law in a few places in the United States allows for – age of consent to be well not the consent the age of relationship to be like uh 13 don't quote me but i think you're wrong uh, oh 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 <laughs> and i only want to say that because i said don't quote me first uh, okay, this okay. was um milwaukee Wisconsin. yeah milwaukee's pretty fucked so yes some <laughs> everybody in the room is nodding right now. <laughs> <laughs> like i have a clue <laughs> So so Dahmer was, was pretty screwed up, obviously. Um, yes. Now, I know there are a couple other really big names when it comes to serial killers that get brought up all the time. Um, and it seems like serial killers don't get to be big household names by necessarily killing massive amounts of people. It's not quantity. It's it's a lot more to do with lore surrounding them, be it, you know, they're they're really sneaky or they get away with things or the way that they go about killing, the type of people they kill, things like that. Is there any sort of a pattern that you see of what makes people bigger names and what makes people end up being like swept under the rug? I think it's probably the brutality of it. Like Ted Bundy, he was he's a pretty big name. I think everybody here has heard of him. He's like from the 1800s. No. Let's just let's just assume that Nate no. Nate knows nothing, okay? Okay. He No, he was actually I want to say the 80s and he, He killed a lot of women very brutally. Mm -hmm. It was about the killing for him. Mm -hmm. He was a beautiful man, wasn't he? Like he was attractive, very. Yes. 
And he worked on a suicide hotline. <gasps> wow. <laughs> Imagine that. Did he use with, that to his advantage? No. No? He worked with a famous author, Anne Rule. She wrote true crime stories. Oh, wow. Books. And she worked side by side with him. And it was a, at the time he was actively killing, too. That's fascinating. Isn't it? Just to That's clarify, crazy. by worked side by side, you mean he... She worked with him, like, killing or worked with him at the suicide place? She worked with him at the suicide place. Okay. They were, like, next Cubicle to next each to other. each other. Yes. And, and she wrote books about crime, and he was a serial killer. He was a, she was sitting right next to one and didn't even know. That's insane. That's scary. On, yeah. That's, that's scary is a great way to put it. Yeah. And then later on, she wrote a book about him. Mm. It's called The Stranger Beside Me. That sounds, <laughs> sounds about right. <laughs> So he killed women. Was this like a younger women, older women? What was the motivation there? It was younger women, like college age girls. And they tended to have long, dark hair because mm -hmm. a girl that hurt him really bad had the long, dark hair. And supposedly he was targeting her over and over. So going back to the nature versus nurture thing, if we were to say this was a nature, would we say that uh, if something else happened to him, like some other girl with some other kind of hair did something to him or maybe some kind of boy pissed him off, he'd be doing this to like young boys or to girls with different hair? Or is it just the specific thing that really pissed him off, his environment? Well, that's a good question. Ted Bundy's another one that was not abused. He was adopted, though. He grew up thinking his mother was his sister. His grandparents raised him as... And he found out a long time later that he was his sister was really his mother. After he had started killing people? I don't think so. I think it was before. Hmm. Interesting. I don't remember, to be honest. Fair, fair. So there's a lot of dysfunction in that whole kind of family dynamic there. At very yeah. least in that. It, I yeah. mean, it only sounds like it was that one little thing that was kind of like, like it, he didn't know. So up until he knew, there was doesn't sound like there was really any dysfunction. Well, it's like if you think your mother is your sister, that's like how would you – I can't conceive of like a functional kind of family system that would – you know, you would think your mother was your sister. I'm just trying to like imagine that. Well, you have a, a young mother and you have old parents and – well, you have old grandparents. So the old grandparents had one baby and – like when they were in their 20s and they had another baby when they were in their 40s. So your sibling is 20 years older than you. Right. So that's pretty normal. And then if he thinks his grandparents are his parents, then that's just mom and dad and his sister is the girl that lives with him. And he was adopted by his grandparents. Yes. So, I mean, he was still in his same family. So it's not like it was just a random family who picked him up out of an orphanage. It was – Right. And he still had his mother around. Right. At some point – it must have been before he started killing because at some point – he lived with his mother as his mother, and the man that she married was his last name was Bundy, and that's who adopted. And then he took on his last name. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> definitely a. I mean, it's definitely a unique family dynamic. I I wouldn't argue with that at all, Nathan. I, like I don't know. I, I'm just trying to put myself in that situation of thinking my mom is my sister. Like uh, once he found out, that's dysfunctional. And that probably messed with his head some, but uh, 
I don't think it was dysfunctional to the point where it's like, oh, anybody in that situation would start killing people. Like, oh, no, no. Right. It, this is also some of the genetic versus uh, behavioral stuff as well because right. maybe someone in that position would do it. Probably not because of that one factor right there, mm -hmm. but maybe other factors. Uh, just to bring up an example, like people who went through the Holocaust, some, they had terrible, terrible depression, like they were suicidal after that or even during it. There's a few people uh, who went through it and it's a horrible, horrible experience, not denying that at all. But some people after it, they were actually perfectly fine. They're normal with return to society and you know, a little scarred, a little battered up, but it wasn't like it was a, that big of a thing to them. Mm -hmm. And some people psychologically are just kind of like that. They can, they can struggle. They can struggle extremely and just kind of make it through. Well, other people, they can't. Like, anything will just break to them. It's just like that fight or flight gene that they say that we used to have or still have and activate at certain times. I wonder if that has any effect on this. Or like when something psychologically happens, we either fight through it and make it out okay, or we just take flight in ourselves in some way and find a way to cope, and it's not a good way to cope usually. So your argument there is that it's a way of coping. So these yeah. people are trying to cope with their trauma or their issues. and Right. I'm not saying it's okay or right and oh, no. that there's different levels to it. But like you said, depression, that's one way they can escape internally or whatever. And that's how they deal with it or their body deals with it. I don't know. Psychology is crazy. There's absolutely little nooks and crannies that's and uh, i mean it, it's pretty pretty common fact that everybody deals with stressful situations or traumatic beyond human like you can't even comprehend we can't comprehend what people have in the holocaust went through like right. so any way that somebody copes with that is normal because there's no normal about it so you're right. gonna have abnormal ways to cope with it so completely ignoring it or um, being completely okay with it and just accepting it and being able to move on and thrive is it's as normal as being depressed about it. Like it's, it's such an abnormal situation. Right. Um, now I, I know that <clears throat> there's a South Park episode that this, I swear this applies. There's a <laughs> South Park episode where, uh, Satan is having a sweet 16 party and, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in it, they have, uh, three serial killers who they satire to be the three stooges. And it's Jeffrey Dahmer, Ted Bundy, and John Wayne Gacy. Oh, Do you want to talk about John Wayne Gacy a little bit? Sure. I, I, I consider them the big three, but I know there's like um, Zodiac Killer and um, the, well, the one in Britain and all that stuff. So The Zodiac Killer was never caught. But the, but he existed. Is all, is all, that's the only, the only point I was making. But we, well, we should definitely get into Zodiac Killer. But while I'm talking Gacy, he, he wore clown makeup, right? Yes. Was he wearing clown makeup all the time? Just no. when he's murdering? <laughs> he's like, oh, there's Gacy taking out the trash, looking like a sad clown. You got the single tear going. It's silly old Gacy. Oh, no. what's is he, is he making balloon animals? Like silly Gacy. Wait, did, did he have a single tear going on? <laughs> was that a thing? He was a sad clown. Um, so why why did he dress up like a clown? Was that was he luring children? No, that was. Just his, like, an entertainment thing. That's he, even creepier that he yeah. wasn't trying to lure kids. No. And he was, when he was dressed up like a clown. Like He targeted young men. Hmm. and He was homosexual. But he was married several times. He was abused as a child. Hmm. He killed, oh gosh, I think, like, 30. 
Is that a big number for serial killers? Yes. Because when you mentioned the first one, uh, who only had like 11 or 12 or something like that, I, th- I thought it'd be higher. And 30 sounds still pretty well to me as well. But and, and that was more the point I was trying to make is that serial killers aren't like, you know, mass genocide leaders who who kill millions of people. Serial killers kill you know, 10, 20, 30 people, and then they either get caught or they never get caught and they disappear or something along those lines. Right. Um, But it's very rare to see a serial killer reach, you know, the 50s plus. Right. They end up getting caught Mm. because they end up, my theory, a lot of people think that it's because they want to get caught, and Mm. I don't believe that at all. I think that they start to believe that they're not going to get caught no matter what they do. And they get sloppy and they get caught. Well, it's also a selection effect as well, right? Because the more people you kill, the more law enforcement you have after you. So it's very, very hard to kill 100 people. You can maybe get away with 5, 10, but once you start getting beyond that point, you know, people are going crazy looking after you. True. Another big thing about serial killers is a lot of time they're killing killing one person and then a month or a year later they're killing another person it's not like they're going to a mall and mowing down a hundred people at a time it's very controlled very one person at a time picking their targets a lot of time things like that that's called an organized serial killer Mm. and they're the hardest to catch Mm. and then you have the disorganized serial killers like richard ramirez he was caught relatively quickly because he just was crazy (laughs) a lot of them leave calling cards and it's almost like a form of art to them it's their life it's their passion something that drives them so it's like like you were saying is they were going after the same type of person um and and some of the stuff that or some of the people they're targeting it's just same kind of person or that's their mo or whatever and so like when you do that and it takes time to kill the first one and then they're after the second one um police can start to get the clues and put them together so you can only get up to so many before you get caught so that isn't just like a tv trope it's a real thing yes if they feel like the police are getting too close they will change their mo right or stop for a while or stop for a while btk he stopped for a long time. Years. What's, yeah. that, what's that stand for? Oh, gosh. Um, Bind, torture, kill. Oh, okay. That was... Um, that was a specific person? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It took them... Oh, my... I'm, I want to say 30 years to catch him. An interesting aspect about this, which I didn't quite expect, is... Like, I would perceive to be a killer as irrational, kind of crazy, right? But if they can wait 10 days, 20 days, a month, 6 months, a year two years before the next kill, it's not like they are this, this crazy thing to have to act out on their impulse. Rather, they can wait. And that that's pretty that's pretty uh, scary because it's calculated. Especially when they have a specific type of target they're looking for. They may see 100 people that they're like, maybe, maybe, no, no. And then they find that one person, they're like, that's the person. And like that's even more scary that they're so laser focused on this one specific thing or type of person that they're able to pass up all these other people who would work just the same in the sense that they they could kill them and they could capture them in the same way, but they're not what they're looking for. And and that to me is one of the creepiest aspects that they're a lot of serial killers are looking for something very particular. And now does that fall in line with how the Zodiac killer killed? What, what was that about? 
as far as the Zodiac Killer goes. You don't know anything about Zodiac Killer? No, I know a little bit, but... Did he kill by the Zodiac? I don't Was his name Zodiac? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> uh, is it, is it true that Ted Cruz is the Zodiac Killer? It might be. Okay. Um, Nobody while, knows. While we're kind of talking about Zodiac, um, I know that off mic we were talking at one point about how different Zodiac signs don't necessarily kill more or less, but a lot of them kill differently. Yes. Can you speak to that? I did extensive research on that <laughs> out of curiosity. Oh, uh, what is a Zodiac sign exactly? Yes. It's your astrological sign that you're assigned to by your uh, month of date of uh, birth. So what are you, when were you born? I was born January 6th. You're a Capricorn. What Capricorn? We okay. are? Oh, okay. So there's the whole Capricorn and Taurus thing. Right, exactly. Oh, okay. That's the Western Zodiac. Oh, th- th- there's, there's more to this? Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, geez. So we're, we're talking Western Zodiac today. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um. So you three are Capricorns. Yes. And I'm a Scorpio. Yes. Okay. So talk to me about uh, how the signs kill differently. Okay. So I discovered, I mean, I didn't really expect to find a correlation between the signs and how they kill and stuff, but I actually kind of did in like Capricorns, sorry guys, (laughs) tend to kill for profit. Yes. Even when they were twisted like Bundy, they still killed for profit. How how do you kill for profit? Like you kill rich people? Yeah. Kill your mother and take her money. Mm-hmm. Well, not me, but <laughs> <laughs> she like looks me dead in the eye. She's like, not me. <laughs> this is what your all your research has been leading up to. Yes. I'm not no, the like... Capricorn here, okay? <laughs> you three are the Capricorns. Mom, no, I mean... you better watch out. You know, right? <laughs> <laughs> mom won't look at pepin anymore <laughs> um okay so are were there any other signs that had particular um motives or or anything associated with zodiac gemini's were pretty brutal killers gemini's are known to be two-faced that's why they're the twins the six um yeah, they're twins because they're two personality sets. They're one minute they're like energetic and happy, the next minute they're evil and brooding and nasty. Is that not bipolar disorder? <laughs> they're yeah, but they're your manic. Ah, were there any other of notoriety off the top of your head? I know it's it's been a while. Dahmer was a Pisces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did he kill a lot of fish? <laughs> I'm not sure. Actually, I think he was right on the cusp of. Aquarius and Pisces. Hmm. Hmm. So he dumped them in the water and let the fish eat them. Dahmer did hmm. not. No. no. No, he screwed them and ate them. Have you seen any other um, any other research that has followed your the same pattern of what you were finding here? No. You should write a book. I know. Like legitimately, should. you should write a book about it. Because I found other similarities between serial killers there was a lot of alcohol abuse. Dahmer was an alcoholic. Sometimes it was the parents that were alcoholics. A lot of overbearing mothers. Mm. <laughs> so alcohol and moms are what caused. Yes. Now, I was planning on getting drunk tonight, but now I'm kind of scared. <laughs> are you saying I'm overbearing? I'm saying my mom's on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> You're over 21. You're okay. Fair enough. <laughs> now, oh, go ahead. the alcohol connection is kind of interesting because uh, I know alcoholism is partly genetic. There's a large genetic component to it. And to me, that might show some kind of genetic component to it, um, w- which would be kind of interesting to look at. I wonder if the genetic aspect isn't necessarily with alcohol specifically, but with addiction in general. Um, and that you can be more likely to be addicted to something and kind of get get obsessed with something and let it control you. Um, and then that would kind of fall along the lines of like if, if alcoholism is something that runs in your family or something that you yourself succumb to, then other addictions and other obsessions like, you know, obsessing over people with brown, dark, long brown hair to the point where it drives you insane. All you can remember is the pain. And then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're taking these crazy steps and you become a serial killer. It just seems like to me, I can make it logically make sense in my head that it would, it could follow a path like that, that obsession and addiction could turn into something like this. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, psychological theory where part of why people do things that are just completely terrible and even everyday life, you know, on much lesser scales, but, I could imagine with serial killers especially is they're trying to experience emotions they can't express themselves. So they might be terrified. They might be, you know, screaming in agony on the inside and they can't express that emotion on their own by themselves. So what they have to do is you have to have a victim to express these emotions themselves. And they're trying to make that connection in their head between the emotions they're experiencing internally and the emotions they are trying to get someone to display externally. And this is how they're trying to express themselves in a way, in a kind of fucked up way. So there might be an addiction to that because it might be their only kind of outlet for that kind of thing. Pretty common in everyday life as well. You might be mad at someone and you might not want to express your anger with them, right? So what you do is you kind of act passive aggressive to them and you try to get that person to get mad at you, right? Hmm. And you want them to yell at you. And that's that's an unhealthy way of expressing your anger because you want them to be angry. That way you can... It's a weird way. You're trying to get them to express their anger or trying to be angry towards you because you don't want to express your own anger yourself. You're suppressing it. So it comes out some kind of way. Mm. That makes sense. Mm. That's uh, that's really fascinating. And I think to go along with that, like, it, I feel like serial killers are very uh, sociopathic. Mean And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I understand that to mean that they have no ability to empathize. Um, to to understand what other people are feeling and feel empathy being feel it themselves, sympathy being I understand that feeling. Um, do sociopaths lack both empathy and sympathy? I would say yes. Yep. I will be technical here. So sociopaths they only have empathy for their group, for their in group, right? And they might have a very very small in group. So usually sociopaths have very strong ties and emotions with their family. Uh, a lot of politicians, for instance, are sociopaths, but they have strong, strong emotions and good feelings towards their family. Mm-hmm. But they do not have very strong emotions to anybody outside. If you're outside their group, they don't give a fuck about you. They're, you're worthless. Now, on the other hand, psychopaths, psychopaths have no emotions for anybody. And psychopaths are often kind of try to express emotions and practice in the mirror to try to get a certain emotion down. And sociopaths are known to do this as well, but psychopaths will do that you know, to try to act normal because they can't empathize at all. So it's less about trying to understand other people and be like, how, how do other people act? 
And it's more about trying to fit in to not seem weird. There's actually a story about a, uh, a I think it's, I think it's a sociopath, and he witnessed a car accident. And you know what he did was he analyzed the girlfriend who was in the accident, and her boyfriend died. And he was just looking at the the girlfriend's face and just kind of analyzing it. And people were also looking at her face as well. And I guess what he did was he went back home and practiced that face in the mirror for like an hour. Because he wanted to be able to pull that face out if he had to. That's really creepy. Hmm. It's got really quiet in here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just trying to think of how many people I've been around that could be sociopaths or psychotic like that. I'm like, oh, jeez. Somebody told me that if you yawn and the other person doesn't yawn back, they're sociopaths. (laughs) I, don't know I heard that. True. I actually heard that because yeah. it's a, a human. Oh, yeah. Oh. Even if you say that, you're yawning. Nathan's so. testing it. Nobody's yawning. Oh, That's because we know it's fake. Shit, I gotta get out of here. Oh, you gotta practice in the mirror, man. Yeah. Going for the door. Practice your yawning in the mirror. You're not good enough yet. Well, it's, it's one of those contagious things. Like if you say it or someone does it, it's a chain reaction. And actually, that's how you can tell someone's checking you out. I heard. True story. Like itching and stuff like that is also contagious. Like if you see someone scratching their head or if you say the word lice, a lot of times people will scratch their head. It's just an involuntary reaction. Right. Yeah, there are there's some research that shows that uh, yawning and, you know, kind of scratching and all that kind of stuff, it will elicit the empathy in others. Now, it doesn't necessarily... I'm, I'm trying not to yawn. <laughs> so it doesn't necessitate that the other person does that. So I, I wouldn't say if you yawn, someone else doesn't yawn, doesn't mean that they are a satirical killer. It doesn't mean right. that. But <laughs> it, it, if no one ever reciprocates any kind of body language, it, it might be kind of weird. It might point to something, maybe some sociopathy or some uh, disconnect between the person. Or maybe they're just a really individual person and they don't necessarily fall under these social constructs. So I'm trying to back up your point and say, like, just because somebody doesn't do this thing doesn't mean they're crazy. Right. So so stop testing people you love. (laughs) Just just love people you love. Let it be. But test people you don't like. If you were listening to this podcast and after I yawned, you didn't yawn. Psychopath. Psychopath. Psycho. Get yourself checked. Might be a serial killer. Probably a serial killer. That's probably why you're listening to this. If you if you killed people today, you're probably a serial killer. A lot of serial killers fit into society for exactly the reason Nate said. Because mm-hmm. they practice acting normal. So, like, the first one we were talking about, Ted Bundy, I think it was. Jeffrey Dahmer. We talked about Dahmer first. Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, shit. So (laughs) people thought he was normal? Yes. That's very strange. Was he very charismatic? No. He was quiet and withdrawn. He had an alcohol problem, but he held a job and he... Most serial killers are said to be charming. That's what I read somewhere. Mom shakes her head now. That's not totally true. All right. Well, Ted Bundy was. Yeah. I'm going to have to go here now. Politicians, (laughs) they're pretty charming. But they're Um, not generally serial killers. Uh, I I might argue that (laughs) politicians aren't very charming because I, like when I think somebody's really fake, that's the most off-putting thing possible to me. And I think so many politicians are really fake. So I don't find them charming at all. I find them the opposite, whatever the opposite of charming is. 
Not charming. Oh, that's good. <laughs> she just took out the thesaurus to figure this out. Right? Non-charming? Anti-charming. 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 Perfect. Off-putting. Yes. That, that sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> So are there any other serial killers we haven't touched on that you've researched that you think would be relevant to bring up and might be interesting? Well, BTK, his name was Dennis Rader. Oh, you yeah, remembered. I remembered. And <laughs> Gary Ridgway, he was the Green River killer. He mm. killed lots of prostitutes. Him and BTK were similar mm. in their killing styles and getting away with it for as long as they did. Were they similar at all to Jack the Ripper who also killed prostitutes? No. Are there a lot of um, serial killers who kill prostitutes? I think yes, because they're an easy target. Hmm. Nobody looks for them, sadly. Hmm. So that's more of a selection bias than anything. It's not like they're targeting them necessarily because they like prostitutes. It's just easy to get a prostitute. Exactly. If you're a serial killer and you're choosing the easy target, you're a pussy. (laughs) Come at me, bro. I ain't no prostitute. <laughs> yes, Steve. That's a good idea. <laughs> to invite a serial killer to come kill him, you. I'm going to fight him. <laughs> you got to know him first. No, they're going to They're gonna tell me. <laughs> oh, hi. I'm a serial killer. <laughs> I'm here to fight you. Yeah. And a lot of people think it's a United States phenomenon, and it's, it's worldwide. Yeah, Russia had... Andre Chikatilo, he killed um, like upwards of 50 kids. And mm. Russia had an issue with admitting that they had a serial killer. And they ended up bringing in somebody from the U.S. To catch him. Yes. Because they finally had to admit mm. they had a problem. And we're really good at catching serial killers. We are. <laughs> okay, we probably have more than <laughs> the rest of the world. Mm. Now, one serial killer I'm actually familiar with, not really, to be honest, but uh, back in high school, Steve just used to show me videos of this crazy guy talking crazy shit, and it was very, very entertaining. And he was in jail, and he had, like, this long hair and a beard. Charles Manson. Yeah, Charlie. He's not a serial killer. He's not a serial killer? Really? I was just going to say that. No. Why is he? He never killed anybody. Yeah, he got his followers to do everything for him. Nothing. So he's more like a cult leader or yes. something? Yes. 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 He led a, a cult of people. Um, actually, he he was a, a, a performing artist. Um, he, he was a singer. Um, and he did stuff with the Beach Boys. Um, and then uh, a little bit later on, he like just had a cult. And he had like people following him and stuff. And he was convinced that there was going to be a race war. And he was trying to incite the race war by killing black people. And so he... You're giving me looks like I'm wrong. He didn't kill black people. He had his he had his followers kill like he sorry. Oh, the people, he killed the like people white that... people and then tried to make it look like black people. Okay, that makes that makes more sense. So his strategy there was to try to incite a race war by framing black people for killing white people? Yes. Right. Oh, that that's 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 a strategy, I guess. In <laughs> California, right? Yes. Now that he's in jail, like they have a lot of videos of him and stuff on youtube and the guy's batshit crazy but if you listen to him for long enough he sounds brilliant and that's the scariest part is that he's so charismatic even though you know like he's fucking nuts 
he's still convincing in a lot of ways. Reminds me of Hitler. Mm. Mm. So it's it's interesting because you're right. When you do watch Charles Manson talk, he does kind of have that kind of – you want to keep listening to him and stuff. And every once in a while, we start making connections like, oh, is this what he's saying? That, that might be really smart. Mm. And it's almost like you're doing all the work yourself. And I could imagine that with someone like Hitler, like, listening to him, like, you imagine saying so much more than he actually is saying. Mm. Now, just out of curiosity, was Charles Manson, what was he charged with? Murder. Him and his followers all went to jail for the murders. Um, he, he orchestrated it, so he was just as guilty. Yes. Because I could see him being, like, guilty of, like, being a serial killer, but he just was, like, a... Just, just not the one doing it himself. No, and again, there was no serial killing. It was just this one incident. Oh, so it's more like a massacre or something like that. He no, killed... it was only like three people. Oh, three no, people? Like... like they killed more than that. I thought they, they killed... only killed the two people in that one house. No, they killed. There was, I can't remember. There was Sharon Tate. There was, there was like four or five people there, and then they went to another upscale place and they killed a couple there. But it was all on one night. I yeah. don't. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay, and that doesn't follow with the definition of a serial killer. What do you think it would have gone to be a serial killer scenario? Do you, is that the kind of mindset, or do you think that Manson wasn't didn't really fit that the mold of what a serial killer typically does? He didn't fit that. Mm. A serial killer is. It tends to be. The killings tend to be sexual in nature. Like you don't find a lot of serial killers that use guns. They use knives or they strangle because you have to be up close and personal. Mm -hmm. It's very much about power, would you you say? Serial killing? Yeah. Because with a gun, you know, it's... it's Control, yeah. Control, power over another life. It's not like... It's not just about killing someone because a gun would be very easy for that. Right. Right. And that's why I have an issue with them with... Um, David Berkowitz, son of Sam, being called a serial killer, he wasn't. I don't. I would not put him in that category because he shot people. So something interesting at the start of the podcast that Sandy brought up was that she got into serial killers because she was afraid of them, and I find that interesting because at first I thought the act of looking up a serial killer was kind of strange, and I read on some source somewhere that is actually pretty normal and for the same reason sandy was looking up serial killers if you have okay let's imagine that you're a gazelle and you're in the savannah of africa you are really interested in what the lions and tigers are doing why because they're gonna eat you they're your prey right or they're your predator they're they're a predator right and so having a strong strong interest in not only and what your predator is, but how they act, what they do, what they look like, and all this kind of stuff is very, very important for your survival. So it, it's not really a weird thing to be interested in that. Mm. So I just want to say, anyone who has like a strong interest in this, it's, you're not weird. I mean, maybe if you having them up in the wall and these lines <laughs> connected, that maybe may, may a little strange, but <laughs> just having interest is... is yeah, like, mom. <laughs> or notebooks full of information. <laughs> Do Would you be- the the biggest question here is do you feel any safer now? Not at all. Do you feel less safe? Yes. Wow. Because now I know that 
you're not going to recognize a serial killer if you come across one. Mm. Look at Anne Rule, who wrote about that and sat next to a serial killer, had no clue. Mm. And Gacy's neighbors, nobody had a clue. You could argue, though, that you might be a little bit better off than somebody who knows nothing at all, because at least you know that there's sociopathic tendencies, psychopathic tendencies, um, and you might be a little bit, even if it's just marginal, but a little bit more versed and, and likely to recognize something than somebody who knows nothing at all. That's knowledge, true. Knowledge is power when it comes down to it. That's true. Good point. Yeah, personally, I am skeptical about this idea you can't know. If someone's quiet and stuff, it's just hard to know anything about them. So, you know, in that case of the guy working at the suicide hotline, okay, I could see maybe not knowing because you don't ever talk to him. And when you do, it's just kind of kind of weird and seclusive. But if someone's very, very, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like you'd be able to tell something with most people. Maybe like 1% of people, you wouldn't be able to tell anything. But I, I think there's got to be some tip off somewhere. It, maybe this is just my mind trying to have some sense of control. I think it is <laughs> because like Anne Rule, they were friends and she expressed her fear of this serial killer that was out there. And he said, you have nothing to worry about. She had no clue. And she was talking about him. Yes. And she had no clue. And if anybody knew more about serial killers, like like she was the one who knew more than anybody because she was literally – that's what she did for a living was write and read and about them. Right. Dennis Rader, mm. the BTK killer, got away with it for how many years? He was married several times. He was active in his church. He was a big church guy, you know, deacon in his church. If you do have any tips about <laughs> serial killers, you should probably let somebody know. But not me because I don't care. <laughs> You might be a serial killer. I might be. You guys would never know. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> wait, wait, what do you mean my tips? <laughs> like, oh, I, I saw something sketchy going on. Or, oh, oh, oh I okay. saw somebody disappear and this was the last guy who was with them. Or... So there's a lot of tips right. for them to use. Not tips for serial killers to use. <laughs> oh. oh, everybody was didn't understand that. Okay. Wow. Wow. You guys are morbid. Okay. <laughs> No. <laughs> well, uh, glad you guys could be on. Um, I think that should wrap it up for this episode, but uh, we'll see you guys next time. Yeah, Thanks for having us. It, it's been We Need a Duck. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's been really We Need to Talk. <laughs> We release episodes every Monday, so subscribe to hear more. Also, leave us a rating in iTunes. It really helps us. And if you haven't, follow us on Twitter or visit our Facebook page. Become a fan. And until then... Wait, wait, there's more. This is a song I did a while back, and it's called Japan. And it's all instrumental. It's all a little you know, crazy and stuff, but it's, all, but it's interesting, I think. So enjoy.